0: This episode contains descriptions of crimes against minors that some people may find distressing. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Oliver Lawrence. I spent over 12 years as a police officer serving in some of the harshest environments Australia has to offer. Now working as a senior investigator, security intelligence and crisis management expert in London, I've had the chance to meet and speak with some of the brave men and women of law enforcement who found themselves at the front line of the world's most infamous investigations and global incidents. From the underworld of bikey gangs and the mafia, to terrorist attacks of unthinkable magnitude. In this series, I'll sit down with these brave men and women to hear their first-hand accounts of these events and how they got there. Welcome to Protect and Serve.
2: came into sharp focus. In the UK, police identifying the suspect who killed two people on London Bridge.
1: Police say they are investigating a suspected connection with a radical Republican organization, the new IRA.
0: Freedom
2: itself was attacked this morning by a faceless coward, and freedom will be defended.
0: You're listening to part two of my chat with former commander Peter Spindler. If you haven't yet listened to part one, I highly recommend you pause this and listen to that one first. After years of experience both carrying out and leading complex criminal investigations across London, in October 2012, Peter's career and position within the Metropolitan Police was about to be thrust into the public eye after he was appointed the Gold Commander for Operation Tree. As Gold Commander, Peter was tasked with leading a team of some of the best investigators in the Metropolitan Police investigators who would begin to uncover the abhorrent acts of a man that not only groomed his victims, but an entire nation. Operation Utree would lead to the convictions of some of the most awful crimes, but more importantly, through Peter and his team's work, would give a voice to victims. Your career uh, has been, as you, you know, part of your direct entry scheme. A lot of your career has been spent at very senior ranks within the Metropolitan Police. And I think most of your work uh, historically has been around safeguarding and leading teams that have arrested and investigated some of the most um, abhorrent individuals in the community that um, exploit uh, young people for their own gratification. Um, you led on Operation u which is probably one of the most recognisable investigations of the past decade with regards to these matters and a certain individual, Jimmy Savile. I'm wondering, for those that don't know who that individual is um, and what Operation u was, obviously, it's probably one of the most significant uh, events of your investigative career leading that. Could you tell us a little bit about it?
1: Yes. And it's go back to 2011. Um And the death of a TV presenter, very high profile, quirky individual who um, died in his early 80s in 2011 and had what was almost a state funeral up in uh, Leeds, in Yorkshire. Um, One of the original celebrities from the BBC uh, heavily involved in the music industry in particular, but went on to do a lot of charity work, um, had his own TV programmes where he was the brand himself. And everything was about him and the good work that he was doing.
2: Thank you, dear friends. Now then, now then, straight to business. So Lisa wrote to me and she said, Dear Jim, my brother Jeffrey, who is five, likes animal biscuits, especially the elephant ones. Dear Jim, ever since I learned to drive, I've wanted to go on a skid pan. This would prove to my husband that I really am a safe, careful driver. Clunk the car door and click the seatbelt. Clunk, click every trip. Good, good, good as happened. Right now. Thank you, thank you, my dear. How about a quick trip up towards the top of the charts? Number four to be exact with Chicago. Thank you.
1: One of our Former colleagues who had moved into investigative journalism uh, had picked up on a number of stories about investigations into child sexual abuse by this individual, Savile, and ultimately a programme was broadcast in 2012, actually almost exactly a decade on from now, on ITV, independent television. then led to a very significant joint response from the British Police Service and the NSPCC, the National Society for Protection of Cruelty to Children. And it was a joint investigation into what had gone on. Now, if you have time to have a look at Netflix, there is a two-part documentary that describes and documents and illustrates the behavior of Savile over three or four decades and looks at British society in particular uh, that shows how someone like him and it wasn't just him but how someone like him got away with it um, and looks at the way our society was in the sort of 60s 70s and 80s that allows somebody to exploit their position of power to abuse the vulnerable that's what this was about
2: the running of Broadmoor was effectively given over to a five-man task force headed by none other than Jimmy Savile we are a great listening hospital we listen to people I listen to nurses I listen to doctors. I listen to porters I listen to drivers I listen to everybody we're, we're, we've turned into a great listening hospital
1: what became quite clear was once this had got media attention once the public had seen that there was going to be an effective response, even though he was dead. Um, but we were prepared to listen. We were prepared to take information from people, to document the crimes, and to actually seek out therapeutic support for them through the NSPCC and other charities. Um, that then led to a number of other famous individuals, celebrities, high-profile figures being named and required the investigation by a very specialist team which was Operation u One of our major inquiry teams took it on and coordinated the national response Um, and again we used some of the best investigators we had available. Um, They were trained still with what was called complex abuse. And we're used to using the Home Office Link Major Inquiry System, uh, Homes, and we put together a number of significant prosecutions of very high profile figures, including the likes of Max Clifford, Rob Harris, Gary Glitter, um, or Paul Gadd, as he's really, truly known. And the public could see for the first time that high profile figures would be uh, prosecuted and convicted for their crimes, no matter when they take
2: Now, place. the Metropolitan Police say that it will now take the lead in investigating sex abuse allegations against the late Sir Jimmy Savile as more women come forward, claiming to have been assaulted by the television presenter. Rolf Harris was not, in the eyes of the world, just a celebrity, but a national popular
1: figure. But the 84-year-old entered the dock at Southwark Crown Court today, to bear witness to allegations of a much darker side. Was, with, with
0: historical matters, one of the greatest challenges to any investigation is, is, is the evidence, and it's being able to secure that, and over time, you know, with some offences that starts to disappear. Was that one of the greatest challenges when you're dealing with such historical offences on a large scale as this, you know, over 300 victims... Is that one of the biggest challenges in securing the evidence which ultimately is going to satisfy the courts beyond reasonable doubt that these people have committed these apparent acts?
1: Interesting your use of the word historical. We would always try and avoid that. We talk about non-recent abuse or non-current abuse because it's never historic for the victims. They are often reliving this every single day and especially when something like the Savile story breaks It awakens things that have been buried for years and years in people's minds, and they're having to relive and re-experience it. And you're quite right. One of the real challenges we face is the fact that going back to the 60s, 70s and 80s, we didn't have closed-circuit television. We didn't have digital evidence. We didn't have documents on computers to go back to. Um, The forensics won't exist anymore. But what we did have was the power of the voice of the victims and those that we prosecuted successfully, and they were all successful prosecutions. uh, The Crown Prosecution Service didn't take forward any cases that they didn't consider to be um, viable, but it was based on numerous people and almost all women in, in Operation Newtree's case but women who were completely unconnected coming forward, telling their story about individuals who had abused the power in almost exactly the same way against each one of them. They had never met before. But this new tree, one of the greatest successes of it was empowering victims to speak out. And in fact, the final report that was prepared was called Giving Victims a Voice. That's what we did. And, uh, you know, we're ever so grateful to the NSPCC and also uh, the other charities such as Women's Aid and National Association for People Abused in Childhood, NAPAC, who work with us to support the victims and give them a chance to actually tell their story. And the juries believe them. Um, they accepted what they said. and. That was one of the difficulties the defense would always say, Oh, well, we've checked, and he never had uh, a gold car, he had a yellow car. Well, a child remembering the color of a car from
2: mm.
1: five years ago, you will make mistakes. And as you say, it um, you know, trying to prove these things beyond all reasonable doubt is incredibly difficult because people's recollection will deteriorate, they will remember facts differently you know they're experiencing traumatic situations they're not going to be perfect or spot on in their recollection of events
0: what point in that investigation when you started out as the gold commander did you realize or did you think wow this is this is going to be significant you know was there a point where it, it, it not so much overwhelmed you but um you you clearly realised there was a significant issue because I was this the first time there'd been a major investigation
1: into Savile? There had already been an investigation by Surrey and Sussex Police but there were only a relatively small number of victims and some fairly isolated cases that they were dealing with. The story did not have any momentum until it was broadcast by ITV and we were monitoring it very closely we were working with the child exploitation online protection unit COP, which was part then of the serious and organized crime agency and they were doing some national coordination around the response i mean we knew it was going to be quite a big story but the reporting became incremental and exponential i haven't got the figures to hand but it was it, the numbers of people were that were coming forward, once they'd seen that this was going to be taken seriously by policing and also by the NSPCC. many more people felt empowered to speak out.
2: This afternoon, for the first time, just how seriously the police are taking claims of abuse at the hands of Jimmy
1: Savile came into sharp focus. I think at this stage, the facts speak for themselves. Uh, eight crime allegations, a further 20 uh, potential victims to speak to, the sheer volume of calls that are coming into us um, will, I mean, I'll allow the public to take the, that decision and pass that judgment for themselves. And it was probably after the first week that we realized that we were on something very significant. Um, when that, and you start to see the names coming forward of very high profile people in society. Um, And then you see that it's now being discussed in Parliament. Um, Theresa May as Home Secretary, Tom Watson as the Deputy Leader of the Labour Party were talking in great detail about the cases. um, And other people were gathering information that was being provided to us. You can see over the last decade how there are various moments in time where somebody speaks out, that it could be in football, <clears throat> it could be in gymnastics. Um, it's been happening in education for many years, but um, Panorama might do a, a programme around a military cadet force, then all of a sudden another 20 or 30 people will come forward and say, yes, exactly the same thing happened to me. Um, one of the challenges is spending so much time in the past, if you're working in safeguarding, dealing with the past cases. And trying to make amends for past failings. But um, the the whole approach has to be victim centric, victim focused, and making sure that their needs are catered for. And that was the success in Nutri. You
0: know, Savile seemed to groom a country, a generation, you know, he weaved his way through our hospitals, he weaved his way through our our media sets, through our televisions, you know, and when you look back on footage historically and you see his not even covert behaviours, the way he was behaving around people on some of the shows he produced.
2: Don't forget, ladies, that I'm available most weekends for home visits. (laughs) Hospitals have rules with patients and things like that. Well, because I'm dyslexic when I want to be. I don't understand rules. What do you do in the caravan? A- anybody that can lay me hands on. Now me, when I stand in front of the table and St. Peter's there, he says, you are not coming in, uh, and I'll say, well, why not? And he'll say, because you're a villain, and, and he'll show me the debit side, and i say, hang about, and I'll show him the credit side, and I'll say, does that mean anything? And if he says, that means nothing, then I'll threaten to break his fingers. Uh, some guy sees me as a sinner, some guy sees me as a villain, some guy sees me as wasting my time, you see me as an uncle. We can't understand how people see us, but we say, if you see me as an uncle, I'll try and be a nice uncle to you. I'll see you later.
0: You wondered to yourself, how did we miss that? And how do you think people missed it or got it wrong or didn't challenge him? You
1: have to go back to what society was like in those days. And we talked about child pornography. Now we will talk about child abuse images or indecent images of children. We talk also about rent boys you know we we, as if children chose to rent themselves out for sex now we would talk about child sexual exploitation and recognize that actually the choices that these young people make are not valid choices these are things that they have been groomed they have been exploited they've been forced into these situations social services and policing talked about lifestyle choices, and I'm actually not going back that far as to when we saw young people who went and had sex with older men as making a lifestyle choice. Well it isn't, and this is sexual exploitation by the powerful of the vulnerable, and Netflix do this really well in their um, analysis of how Savile came to essentially groom the nation um, everybody was taken in by him. Nobody was
2: challenged. So, to him. Sir Jimmy Savile, will you come to the see-hole? Terrific. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, marvellous. Welcome. I am an animal, and I will eat you if I have to. My goodness. The, uh... Yes, you must, give, you must give them all fair warning. <laughs> Animals. No. Victims. Victims. <laughs>
1: And it was almost as if it was, oh, well, as a celebrity, yes, you can do that. Oh, you should be grateful that you've been groped by a celebrity or whatever the response was. Um, And our whole attitudes to women in particular, but also to young people and sex back in the 60s, 70s and 80s were very flawed. Now, I'm not saying we've got it right even now, but we're in a much better place now. And you have to remember We didn't bring in the sort of concept of safeguarding until 1998, you know, the very recent past with the governments working together to safeguard children, which was brought in for education. So the actual concept of safeguarding and recognising that big organisations and institutions needed to make sure they protected the vulnerable is actually only a relatively recent thing.
0: It must have been, um, I suppose, mixed emotion, almost bittersweet in terms of being able to put together a very comprehensive report with a very emotive a, a title, a, a voice for victims, which I think is great in empowering them to realise that they are in control of this, not those individuals that have committed those abhorrent acts towards them. It must have been a very bittersweet moment to be able to hand up that report and to give them the power that they so deserved and yearned to have back.
1: Yes, and... You know, again, this isn't me doing this. Um, It was actually led by the detective superintendent then, who's since been given the OBE for his work around um, protecting the vulnerable. Um, It's a team effort. You can only do this if you've got good people around you who are freed up to deliver. And, you know, they worked incredibly hard and diligently to gather the information. We were criticised quite heavily for investigating someone who died. You know, There could be no criminal justice outcome. But actually, you do have to look at the concept of social justice and what that means for people for the first time to have not only been heard, but most importantly, to have been believed, to have been taken seriously for the first time for someone to say, this wasn't your fault. You didn't do this for yourself. And actually to get the information in the system, um, to make sure that it doesn't happen again, to learn lessons and to share that information. And they, those are the really important things.
0: You know, Savile was the definition of really pure evil. And you've seen a lot of that in a lot of your roles, this kind of real true evil characteristic in the way some people act. How do you maintain your faith in
1: humanity? Um, you're assuming that I have a faith in humanity. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Well, um, looking at what's happening in uh, the Ukraine at the moment. Yeah, exactly. I'm not not sure I have that faith. What I do have is a a preparedness to believe anything. That's what I was taught. My my faith in humanity comes from watching so many good people try to do good things and help people. I work very closely with Church of England now, and I see how committed and dedicated they are, to trying to make people's lives better uh, in numerous ways. Um, And it's thankfully a minority uh, of people who are evil. And unfortunately, one of the things I have seen over time is how those very small groups of individuals have been empowered and enabled through digital communications, how the world is a much smaller place as a result of the internet, And that's what always been one of my greatest worries, not only from dealing with um, uh, child abuse, but also for some of the more horrific crimes that are committed in society and indeed things like terrorism, which we must remember is still a crime. Um, It's not a separate category um, where people are radicalised, groomed, indoctrinated into whatever type of criminality. Um, and it, so much of this is digitally enabled or digitally inspired, where they convince themselves that this is an appropriate thing to do when we know it's wholly wrong. Um, but they are conditioned by what they see and what they hear and what they talk about. Uh, and, you know, um, this is one of my greatest concerns for future generations, how are we ever going to manage that?
0: You know, in your post-policing career, you've taken your safeguarding and investigational expertise outside of the um, the vocation of policing, and you know you're currently advising. St Paul's Cathedral and Westminster Abbey on safeguarding issues obviously there's been um, could be some challenges for the church undoubtedly in terms of this issue is it is that an area that um, you're enjoying being in in terms of you know I- ensuring that you know those safeguarding measures are taken seriously so that there aren't repeats we don't make mistakes organizations recognize the importance of of young people and and, and how to manage allegations
1: yeah the safeguarding as a concept has is- grown in recent years and is much more inclusive of vulnerable groups so what started as sort of child protection is now much broader and looking at um, vulnerable adults um, looking at people who've got mental health issues people in crisis and you know they will often present at some of these great british institutions that you've mentioned and trying to make sure that the staff recognise people in need and make sure they get appropriate help, um, linking in with statutory agencies. And my role as an independent chair is very much about making sure that they've got effective policies, procedures and practices in place. It's all about good governance. Um, And, you know, policing and certainly those senior levels of policing equip me with um skills and also gave me experience that other big organizations, and I won't just single the church out, you know, I do a fair bit with charities as well. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, you know, they're not dealing with crisis on a day-to-day basis. In policing, we were and you get used to dealing with it and you get effective responses um put together very quickly. Where in you know places like the church, it may take them a lot longer to work out how best to respond to emerging issues and they may not necessarily respond appropriately because they're just not experienced in doing it and that's where someone like me and there are numerous other uh, former colleagues who are involved with Church of England in particular but all the other denominations as well all trying to do their best and what is absolutely fascinating is that if you've ever worked in child abuse investigations you get bitten by a bug you cannot leave it alone and even if you when you leave policing um you still carry on because you want to try and put things right you want to try and stop it happening
0: well your 30 plus year career has been one which has been really at the sharp end of holding some of these evil characters accountable for their apparent actions whether still today or in the past still being held accountable and i think it's an area which is incredibly fascinating in terms of the abilities to be able to manage the emotion to be able to manage the investigation and to be able to support the victims through what would be an incredibly difficult um, part of their life to navigate so I think in I suppose in, in closing thank you ever so much for your service thank you for everything you've done for the victims and thank you for everything you're doing in your post policing world and making sure those issues still remain relevant I think it's a incredible achievement
1: well that's very kind of you but I also think we need to thank those that are still doing it you know, they are. Mm. That same work is going on day in, day out, largely unrecognised and probably only internally is it ever really acknowledged. Um, You know, I'm just a moment in time and this, um, you know, this is something that colleagues have picked up and run with. Hopefully they've learned the lessons from the past and will just keep on delivering Um, and Sadly, until society really gets to grips with these issues, um, they're never going to be able to work.
0: There may be some people that have listened to this episode who want to come forward and talk about some of these issues. Maybe they may be a victim or know somebody. What's the appropriate course of action for them?
1: I would put them forward to um, organisations such as NAPAC, the National Association for People Abused in Childhood. They have a telephone helpline. NSPCC's is a 24-hour helpline. Women's Aid, Refuge, all very good charities able to support people. Um, They're very busy, sadly, but um, they all help those who um, are in need and do want to discuss things and can give them advice on where to go next. Anybody who wants to report a crime should do that, whether through 101 or 999. But, you know, please don't sit on these things. Get them dealt with sooner rather than later.
0: Well, Peter, it's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you ever so much for sharing your experiences over the last hour. Uh, On behalf of my colleagues, we wish you all the best for the future and it'll be lovely to catch up with you soon.
1: Many thanks and all the best to you too.
0: Protect and Serve is a mash Pumpkin production hosted by Oliver Lawrence, research and questions by Oliver Lawrence and Robert
1: Wynn-Stanley, Produced, edited, and sound designed by Jack Lawrence. This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network.